Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fada, and as always, I got my co-host Yazan with me. How you doing, bro? Doing great, man. I'm doing great. How are you? Not bad. Can't complain. You know, it's just another day, another dollar. As always. For sure, for sure. Well, we got ourselves in an eventful week on and off the court. Lots to get into, lots to discuss. You know what's good. Drop the beat. As I mentioned, there has been a lot going on south of the border with regards to the verdict of Jacob Blake shooting, as well as the wild situation at U.S. Capitol Hill that's taken the headlines by storm. As it relates to basketball, there has been a steady increase of anger, frustration expressed by the players in both the NBA and WNBA. As a result of those events, and knowing how forward-thinking the leagues are, I just wanted to shed some light to discuss the influence that the game of basketball has with regards to civil and social issues in today's society. So tell me your thoughts, Yazin, in elaborating how important basketball has played a role in spreading awareness. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I know a lot of people are coming here to uh, to listen to basketball talk, you know, listen to our predictions, listen to us, you know, talk about the season. Uh, but this is just as integral uh, as, you know, any dribble of the basketball. Uh, you know, there will be a lot of people who will, who will be in that chorus of, uh, you know, keep politics and sports separate, but, you know, they're really inherently linked to one another. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what happened in D.C. is obviously unbelievable uh, to think of. And, you know, and as it relates to basketball, I mean, we've seen that, you know, we have a lot of very well-spoken, well-articulated athletes in the NBA uh, who, you know, have voiced their opinions and who have, you know, come together, uh, you know, as a league uh, to to spread awareness and and to make a statement and and the league has allowed them to which is you know some some leagues uh, you know frown upon that you know you had the whole Colin Kaepernick situation where uh, you know once he started taking a knee you know the NFL kind of came down hard on him uh, but for the NBA not only do they let them but they encourage them uh, they let them wear their kind of own apparel with whatever sayings they want you saw in the bubble. The jerseys uh, had whatever social justice slogan they wanted on the back. Uh, and that just goes to show, you know, how forward thinking the NBA is uh, and how the NBA is is more than a game. And LeBron James said it best, more than an athlete. You know, when he was told, uh, you know, to shut up and dribble a couple years back by a Fox News anchor, uh, he, he took that and, and he ran with it and he said, you know, I'm not going to just shut up and dribble. I'm 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 an athlete, but I'm also a person. I'm a citizen. I'm a human. I'm a father. So yeah, I mean, it, it's really great to see the NBA allow their players to voice their opinions and to to make a stand on, on the grand stage. Yeah, I mean, absolutely agree. There's nothing much more I can say with regards to the extraordinary efforts made by the NBA and WNBA, of course, with regards to bringing change. I'm also proud of the fact too, not to mention, despite the efforts. And the unfortunate news over the last several days, it never really wavered them. In fact, it's gotten them very motivated to make the society better for all. So I really uh, give kudos to both the NBA and WNBA players in terms of the efforts in which they are putting forth to make the society a better place. And hopefully other leagues can follow suit. I mean, you got to I mean, shout out to the WNBA. I mean, let's not let's not kind of skip over the WNBA. The WNBA, I think, won. Uh, you know, they really changed that Senate election there in Georgia. Um, you know, a lot of people know Kelly Leffler is part owner of the Atlanta Dream. Uh, and really, when she said some statements that kind of was counterintuitive to, you know, the culture there, they took a stand. Those WNBA players made Raphael Warnock, uh, uh, you know, a name on the main stage. And, and they openly, you know, really protested against their own owner. And I think that was really the spark to, you know, where where Georgia went last week and and with those uh, with those Senate races. So kudos to the WNBA uh, for being so bold, uh, you know, to to really stand up for their rights. And then, of course, for the NBA uh, to follow suit as well. Yeah, of course. And uh, the important thing, too, is that with the NBA and the WNBA, obviously the anger, the frustration that, you know, as a as a people of color community has been going through, the first thing that is always preached really is to start off with your local officials, try to get the right people elected in order to make lawmakers make the appropriate law changes in order for everyone to have a free and fair society. 
with that being said, you know, obviously you can see what the selection and the results have come through. And then with what the Atlanta Dream players was able to accomplish. I mean, this is just a start to a domino effect. And hopefully we'll see the U.S. society change for the better. Agreed. Uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always for, you know, athletes are, are, are citizens just as we are. They're people just as we are. They have a voice just as we are. Uh, they just have a larger platform than we do. Um, so I'll never, you know, I'll never tell an athlete to, to stick out of sport, out of politics because, in fact, they should. Uh, you know, LeBron James himself is probably qualified to be president at this point. Uh, you know, if we look at all of his initiatives, the I Promise School, um, you know, and, and all the activism that, that he's done. So, you know, athletes, kudos to them, always speak in their voice. And and just I got to give all a lot of credit to the NBA, Adam Silver, for letting them do what they want, really, and and to spread their voice and to use the NBA as a platform. And he's Adam Silver is the antithesis of David Stern, where David Stern told W uh, told NBA players to start dressing sharply and to you know start wearing suits and and, and band you know made Allen Iverson an example of what it. And NBA players shouldn't look like Adam Silver has been the complete opposite. So he's he's really, you know, has his uh, uh, nose to the ground and, and, and is listening to his players and is listening to his fans. And it's, it's always a great thing. So definitely a great time for, for basketball. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, Adam Silver paving the way for other commissioners and other leagues to follow suit. I mean, the NFL is quite quite far away in terms of getting to where the NBA is right now but you know you're starting to see a little bit of the domino effect starting off with the players enforcing their right to to freedom of speech and making sure that they are heard so I'm hoping for other major league sports uh, to follow suit with but to end off on a lighter note I'm not I'm not entirely sure who has tougher defense the Washington Wizards or the U.S. Capitol Hill <laughs> got <he. laughs> Got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, Swiss cheese defense, man. They 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 should have played a zone or something. That was that was bad. That was bad. Oh yeah, like, you might got to do a boxing one with one of those fellas walking into the house of chambers. So <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Where's Nick Nurse when we need him? But all right, let's, let's... <laughs> we'll be changing genres for the next topic and chime in on our fashion sense. So. So far, the City Edition jerseys have been revealed, and most teams have rocked the uniforms thus far. And considering that we have the best eye for fashion, I think it would be best to rank the best and worst NBA City Edition jerseys. So I guess I'll start off first with some of the jerseys that I find to be quite bad to, let's just say, horrendous. Uh, The first one I'm going to start off with is the 76ers black jerseys with the skyline of Philly. I was upset that they teased us with the black jerseys. Uh, me being an AI fan as well, I was hoping for the return of the black silky Sixers jersey. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It really was hard for someone who hasn't been to Philly to see exactly what that skyline looks like. So when you look right. at the jersey itself, it's like, what is going on? Like, it, it looks like, mind you, like a five-year-old kid drawing the skyline of Philly. And I, I don't know if it's a skyline of Philly or a skyline of a bunch of gingerbread houses. Like, I, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on there. So It's the most unrecognizable uh, skyline. You would not have known it was Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh. Versus, you wouldn't know. It's not recognizable. I, I agree 100%. Yeah, so, I mean, that's definitely one thing that I wanted to point out. The second worst jersey that uh, I found was actually a jersey that I liked initially, uh, which was the Miami Heat jersey. I looked at it from a glance. It looked fire on Instagram when it was first revealed, but once they wore it last week, I was in utter shock as to how gross the multicolor look was presented. It looked like something that was designed on MS Paint. Like, I just didn't like how the colors did not mesh the way it's supposed to. So, um, and again, Miami is usually pretty good with their jersey designs, but it wasn't it. So they should just stick with the original Miami Vice colorway. They just ruined something good. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, um, I agree. I, that Miami, I, I loved the Miami Vice jerseys, like the the black ones, uh, you know, with the with the baby blue and the pink uh, outline, uh, the pink ones and the blue ones. Like, I like them all separate. So what did the Miami Heat uh, think to do? Put them together. Let's just mash them all up into one. I, you took that. That, that was probably – so when I, I – so a little bit of background for everyone. Uh, I, I was the one who brought this topic up, and I brought it up watching a Miami Heat game, and I thought to myself, we need to talk about this because those are horrendous. And not only are they horrendous, the court, I think, is even worse. The court looks like you dropped your phone and your screen is cracked and you're watching an NBA game. 
It was such an eyesore. <laughs> purple and blue and all that fun just colors. Just streaks that everywhere and just radiant colors. And they were they were blending into the to the key. You, like it was it was so bad. I said I need to talk about this. So I'm glad you brought it up first. You, you took you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, so yeah, that they're they're so bad. And for Philadelphia too. I mean, you said it right. They teased the black jerseys. Everyone was like. That's it. Like they're coming back with those 76ers AI stepping over Tyron Lou jerseys. And what do they do? They put, you know, this etch a sketch skyline on the front of the just random buildings that you draw in art class. And that's their jersey. What are you kidding me? This is, this is terrible. It's absolutely horrendous, man. So, like, you know, those two in particular were like quite bad. The, the last one that I have that is. Under under the running for one of the worst jerseys in the league is the the Pistons jersey. I mean, if you look at it from the front, it looks like an address stamp. Why do they have <laughs> Detroit, Michigan crested around the under the numbers? Like, I never understood that. It's like, how am I going to rock a jersey that says the city and the province or state in which I'm playing for? Like, I don't know. For me, I'm I'm typical in terms of jerseys they got to be clean they got to be simple don't overdo it but just to see detroit michigan on there was just hilarious to me what are your thoughts I, on that I, so the the I, the pistons one at first glance i was like ooh, okay pretty sleek you know i was like good colorway motor city i like that and then i realized i needed a magnifying glass to read detroit michigan underneath the number i'm like okay, <laughs> what, is the, what is the point of that you have this whole giant jersey and detroit michigan is in size eight font and i'm like you know I, that's like the Motor City, the Detroit Pistons, they've had so much rich history with jerseys. Those like dark green Grant Hill jerseys with the with the horse on the them. Horse, yeah, the classic exactly. man. Those are the nicest jerseys, you know, back in the day. And you know, you know, they went with the red and blue. A lot of teams go with red and blue. That's fine. And and you know, they've done a pretty good job of keeping the jerseys relatively similar over the last i'd say 15 years and you know i want to say that the 04 pistons kind of have a very similar look to the you know 2020 pistons in terms of jerseys but the motor city one yeah like you know i kind of look at it i'm like there's just a little bit more they could have done they had those fire black jerseys last year which is you know kind of left field for them given that they were red and blue uh but those looked really nice uh it's just a shame that they're just a really really bad team to be wearing these nice jerseys but yeah motor city eh, more to be desired yeah so uh what are some other worst jerseys that you were able to nominate here yeah so uh you 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 took miami from me um so i but luckily I have several backups uh, because there are a lot of really bad jerseys here. Uh, a lot of really good ones. We'll get into the good ones. Um, I'm going to start off with the Orlando Magic uh, and their their orange jersey. Um, listen, I, I get it. Oranges, Florida, makes sense. Uh, not on a jersey. Uh, first off, O-R-L. Um, I mean, just, you know, sound it out. It's not the greatest thing to have on the front of a jersey um let alone in bright orange with orange stripes uh and a really weird place star right next to ORL again sound it out you know if there's kids around you know close their ears but i mean it just doesn't make sense to me they do so well with blue and black uh you know they've also had they had that like nighttime stars uh jersey that they had you know i was I think it was a more like a disney kind of jersey also brutal. I don't know what's going on down there. They have to fire their whole branding department and start from scratch. Uh, it's, you know it's, what's funny with the Oral? Like, every time I see Oral, I feel like it's like a jersey for L'Oreal, like the makeup brand <laughs> or whatever. Like, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> like Orlando, like, I feel like they have the colorways to make these jerseys look super elite but they just somehow keep fumbling the bag and again i know that they're i think one of their sponsors on the jerseys disney i thought that you know there's a perfect opportunity for them to like cook something nice and they just seem to fumble the bag every single time i don't know about you but like even like with their pinstripe jerseys they kind of like fell off on my side like at first i really loved them but like i don't know you could have gone I guess. yeah you could have gone retro got go retro with the pen, yeah, like and and the yeah. oh, they missed the boat so badly. So Orlando is definitely up there for me. Uh, my second one, you know what? I I gotta be honest. It's the Knicks. Their coin jersey, I think, is what they're calling it. The city that never sleeps. It's brutal. 
It's disgusting. It's the worst jersey I've ever seen. And I've seen them wear orange jerseys. You want to know how ugly it is to wear an orange jersey? That's ugly. But this one, I think, takes the bag. You have says City That Never Sleeps. City, you know, never is in white. And then Sleeps is in blue that you can't even really see. It kind of just like looks like City Never and then kind of just disappears. And then you have York Knicks in orange. Uh, and around a 20. And then you have on the sides, it's like orange and it kind of bleeds into blue. Uh, it is disgusting. They've lost both of their games wearing those jerseys, uh, which is further proof that they're horrible, horrible jerseys. And I think they, they should retire them already. Uh, they're really bad. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, just looking at the jersey just right now, there's just a lot going on there. I'm not a fan with slogans or anything like that on the jersey. Just keep it simple, you know? Just seeing City that never sleeps, it's just, to me, it's like... Ah, uh, it's it's absolutely brutal. I I can't even I can't even put into words the how the jersey looks and the fact that the person who decided that it was a good idea to put that jersey on and on top of that the person who approved the jersey need to be held accountable. They need to be locked up, you know, uh-huh. fashion jail. They need to figure out what the hell's going on because to me that jersey is absolutely horrendous. And like you said, the orange color and even like the the combination of the blue and orange, I personally like uh, together. And I feel like the the marketing team could do a lot better with those two colorways. Making the retro Knicks jerseys a little bit more modern, I feel like mm. would be a, a bigger step than the City That Never Sleeps jersey. I think I remember they had a previous jersey before that where it was like kind of like a fire department vibe to it. And yes. I, I, was a, I was a terrible fan of that. Like I, oh. I completely despised it. So, you know, from a storage franchise like the Knicks to be able to ruin something that could be of benefit to them because obviously their jersey has been a, a marquee in this league right when you think about classic nba jerseys you're obviously going to think about the knicks jersey the new york blue and orange right so the fact that they're able to ruin that and not be able to innovate as good as they are being let's say the nike organization that's responsible for city edition jerseys i don't know there, there's got to be some like fashion criminal charges uh being put out for these folks uh, i've 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 pined for just a, a nice black Knicks jersey, just their normal layout, just on black, you know, uh, orange numbers with a white outline on black. Uh, our boy Scotty, who me, him and I talk about jerseys all the time and we always share what we think is nice. You know, I made him draw up these jerseys 10 years ago and I wish I submitted them to James Dolan and be like, just do these, please. You know, this is what you need. You don't need this. This is garbage. This is absolutely garbage. Do you think James Dolan is going to listen to you after not listening to a Knicks Hall of Fame player like Charles Oakley? You know what? If you didn't listen to Oak, and Oak is a, a giant, terrifying man. I think you've met him before. And you you know firsthand how, how big this yes. man is. He's not going to listen to me. No, he's not going to listen to me. So, you know, let's, let's chalk it up. It's a loss. It's another L. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, so... With that being said, let's just uh, switch gears here and talk about the best jerseys. So, you know, I'll let you start off with uh, identifying what are the best jerseys you'd like to mention. Yeah, uh, I have them open here. And the one that catches my eye are those just beautiful, beautiful uh, Golden State Warrior jerseys. The Oakland, the We Believe jerseys just modified to to represent Oakland. These are the these are so beautiful. And because it says Oakland on it, you know, they just moved to San Francisco recently. You know, they're paying homage to the city that in 07 was rocking, a number eight seed beating the number one seed, you know, Dallas Mavericks. A lot of you youngins who are listening probably don't even know about this. Don't know about, you know, uh, Baron Davis just yamming it on them and Al Harrington, Steven Jackson and, and all those guys. So to pay homage to that. They look so pristine, so pretty. I hope that they just make this their permanent jersey because it's so nice. I love their – it's it's so unique, like the dark blue with the orange and the yellow. No other jerseys comes close to that, you know, that colorway. No other team shares that colorway. So, like, Great. you know, if they went back to that, it would be beautiful. So, I, I give kudos to those Oakland jerseys. So those are very nostalgic. What about you? For me, I have a couple. There are a couple black jerseys with the retro multicolorway that was displayed so for example san antonio and phoenix just to say the least Mm -hmm. those two jerseys look absolutely fire i think with phoenix you know the valley and actually displaying (laughs) a skyline that is worth noticing you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) you know with the you know with the rockies and like the orange pinkish color of like the sunset like it looked kind of nice and i think after reading it i heard that kelly Oubre was actually one of the guys that 
uh, before getting traded to Golden State Warriors was the one that was influencing the designs for these jerseys. Oh, so no way. just yeah, too bad that he left, but it is what it is. And free labor. Um, yeah, exactly. San Antonio, somewhat similar. You know, obviously they taken some of the old uh the older logo and just slapped it onto a black jersey. So again, it's simple, nice and retro. Those are the two that uh, I wanted to mention. And then lastly, the Lakers blue and white jerseys are pretty dope, to say the least. Ooh. Similar to the retro blue jerseys that Kobe's Lakers used to wear. I mean, I'm a big fan of those. It's, yeah. it's, it's basically like the blue with the white Los Angeles uh, across the chest in that funky, like, retro font, mm-hmm. if you will. So, yeah, most definitely. Those are the three jerseys that I uh, mentioned to be the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when team uh, San Antonio was my other choice uh, for best – you know, with those Fiesta jerseys, what they call them back in the 90s when, when they had yes, uh, yes. That, those like very vibrant, you know, teal and, and, and pink and orange. It's so listen, just listen to the past, reinvent the past. People love it. The San Antonio jerseys, they went a long time just with, you know, black and silver, black and silver. They had a weird camo jersey that I don't think we should talk about because it was Yuck. horrendous um but you know bring this back you know it's so subtle it doesn't overwhelm the jersey it's just bam couple stripes across you got san antonio over the top uh i i, I really like the san antonio ones and uh the other one i wanted to mention uh honorable mention uh is the uh, atlanta hawks mlk jerseys yes, because yes. it's kind of so different uh right it's it's not their colors whatsoever it is completely you know out of the blue and it doesn't really even mention the atlanta hawks it doesn't mention basketball it mentions martin luther king it pays such an homage to him it's so clean and it looks very royal it looks very like you know it has it's the black with the white writing and the gold outline mlk it just it sends a real nice just point uh, to respect Martin Luther King. I'm sure they're going to wear it on MLK Day for sure uh, when basketball is played. Absolutely. Uh, they, they're just – they're really nice. They tell such a great message. Obviously, it links back to, uh, you know, the earlier conversation that we had. Uh, so I really like those ones as well. No, I mean, those are all good jerseys. And um, hopefully, Nike will do a better job in sustaining the excellence of designing jerseys and also fixing some of the other horrible ones that we mentioned. So uh, with that being said, we'll go ahead to our next segment. AO moment of the week. AO, what the f? So, my AO moment of the week is pretty funny regarding a duo. Now that we're segueing from the Atlanta Hawks, I wanted to talk about the feud between John Collins and Trey Young and how Collins is simply just bitching about the fact that the point guard, Trey Young, is running the offense. <laughs> and what, what really bothers me is that, you know, if he is a star, or an all-star starter, or franchise player, so to speak. I understand why you want to be the focal point of the offense and be able to initiate the offense. But at the end of the day, like, you're John Collins. Like, what the hell are you doing trying to dictate who runs what? Just take your alley-oops and stay humble and let the point guard handle the rest. Like, we're talking about Trey Young, a guy who has the ability to create his own shot, the ability to feed his teammates at a high clip. And also being an all-star that he is, I don't get where his arrogance is coming from into thinking that he has not only the stature, but also the skill set and ability to actually initiate an offense is beyond me. So I don't know if you heard about this news recently, but that literally threw me off my chair. I'm like, yo, are you talking about Collins, a guy who just flies like a Harlem Globetrotter wanting to bring the ball up? Like, please. I, I didn't hear about this, uh, but... I mean, just at first glance, I mean, John Collins is going to make himself expendable if he keeps talking about Trey Young. Trey Young is a, a, probably an MVP candidate, you know, with, over his career. He's going to be an MVP candidate. He might even win MVP. That's the kind of player Trey Young is. He's a he's a franchise game changer. Uh, John Collins, you're a great guy. Uh, I don't think John Collins signed his um, his extension this year. Probably not a good idea considering, you know, you might not be on the team next year should you continue talking about Trey Young. If Trey Young sours on you, you're gone. You know, that's it's it's his team. Uh so I don't know where John Collins gets off trying to uh trying to tell Trey Young what to do and how to run the offense. You know, no, you're right. Just catch your alley oops, get your boards, shoot a three here and there, but give the ball to Trey Young, let him cook, let him dictate. It's his team. He's the MVP, he's the guy. You know what it is? 
I think I started to realize why John Collins is talking greasy like this. I think he's looking like guys at like Julius Randle, who's like bringing up the ball all the time and just playing with tunnel vision and just stat padding every single game. And he thinks that he is worthy of that. One thing to John Collins is like, hey, you have an all-star point guard. I'm pretty sure he started the all-star game, did he not? I can't remember. I, I, I know he was he was he was an all-star, yeah. And for the East, he might have started considering yeah i think he's yeah i think he start i'm pretty sure he started so man yeah john collins he needs to chill out like the guy really denied a 90 million dollar extension like i'm not too sure what other team is going to offer him more than that but you know good luck chuck Um, (laughs) the second ao moment of the week that i have is simply put the COVID outbreaks that have been happening around the league with teams struggling to meet the minimum requirement of eight players and in addition to that Test results coming in mid-game and having to pull players out. I think Jonas Valanciunas was one example that I remember. Like, literally in the first quarter, they had to pull him out because they found out that he was positive after a test was conducted before the game. Tons of games have been postponed, as you know, so I'm not really sure if NBA has a contingency plan. But as I know today, uh, the Board of Governors, I believe, is meeting tomorrow to discuss what kind of plan they will have moving forward in order to kind of limit this chaos that they've been witnessing over the last several days to a week. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw this coming. Uh, the NFL had to postpone so many games. We had so many triple headers. We had, you know, games moved to Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which is kind of unheard of. Um, you know, this is what happens when you're not in a bubble. This is what happens when you're, you're traveling. And not only are you traveling, but you're going home to your to your bed, to your family. Uh, you know, you probably can't control where they go, who they see. So we're probably in for a, um, a very long season. Uh, I don't think it gets postponed again. Uh, like I don't think the, the season goes on hiatus or anything. Um, I think they're just going to keep moving games to the back end of the season uh, or try to fill them in here and there. Um, they did a good job of keeping teams in the same sort of vicinity for a number of games, you know, playing three home games in a row or playing uh, away games that are, you know, within driving distance or, or, you know, flying distance that are not cross country. Um, So they did a good job with that. But yeah, I'm hoping they do have a contingency plan because after seeing who the uh, Philadelphia 76ers had on the floor uh, a couple nights ago, uh, it it was, it was bad. Uh, And it can only get, it can only get worse from there. I mean, I probably could only name two players on that whole team. And i Seemed, I feel like I'm a pretty well-informed NBA fan, but you know when all I know is Danny Green and and you know Tyrese Maxey, yikes! You know that's that's pretty bad. Hey, quick question: Do you think our BBB recreational team could beat that 76ers team? Ooh, ooh, man! Are you in the corner? Are you? If you're in the corner shooting trays, we got a chance. You know, uh, you know if I'm if I'm grabbing boards and 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 just and just finding you in the corner. Hey, listen, we won that exhibition game, and we weren't supposed to. Thanks a lot. Yeah. But <laughs> we have a chance against anybody, man. Yeah, at the end of the day, as long as we have Darcy on our side, it's a different story, man. Hey, so. I hope he listens. <laughs> Shout out to Darcy. Yeah. So, yeah, man, what are your AO moments of the week, man? Uh, yeah, mine both come from on the floor, uh, and they're really bad. Uh, <laughs> like The first one comes from uh, Andre Drummond uh, versus the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what you're <laughs> And, you know, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing pretty well. They're 5-5 five and five right now. You know, uh, Andre Drummond is playing really good basketball until this point. Uh, he gets the ball at the top of the key, kind of waits. You know, players move around him. He waits, waits. It clears a little bit. And he decides, all right, that's it. I'm going to dribble penetrate. I'm going to go to the hole. And what does he do? I, I can't explain what he did. Like, that's how bad this was. I think he goes for a layup, but he kind of like, like, Hook shots it back to himself, and it's a self-pass, and he loses it, and everyone is like, what the hell just happened? And even the announcer, and you could probably put this in, he goes at something along the lines of, I don't know what Andre Drummond just did, or I don't know what he was thinking. I'm not sure what Drummond was trying to do there. And I don't think anyone knows what he was thinking. It was a really, really bad possession, and I... I've seen remixes done on it. I've seen the uh, Where Amazing Happens. You know, they, they posted that on the, you know, the Where Amazing Happens. Slow motion. Slow motion. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I looked at that and I'm like, wow, that is, <laughs> I don't even think I can do that in 2K, even if I tried, you know, and that happened in real life. So that's one of them. Right. 
it's funny that you mentioned that because when I saw that possession where he was just waiting, 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 I'm like, seeing what Andre Drummond has been doing the last couple of years, he's always been chucking up shots from the mid-range too, where, where he had no business doing that. So in that scenario, I'd be okay with him just chucking <laughs> up the shot, knowing the fact that there's no options available. But the fact of the matter is he tried to penetrate into the paint and then try to do a finger roll as if like the net is literally halfway between the free throw line and the actual basket. And then... <laughs> back to himself like to me it was just an absolute mess and i'm hoping i'm really hoping that shaq put this in shaq in a full but oh um, it has to be look and see it has, it has to, to be, be number one sure. speaking of shaq in a fool my other ao moment comes from draymond green uh versus the sacramento kings uh draymond green clearly is on a team with a lot of youngsters a lot of guys who need a lot of coaching um so midway through one of his possessions he decides he wants to coach and play at the same time uh, and instead it ended up looking like him just hopping around like a jackrabbit, jumping up and down with the ball. I don't know how they didn't call it travel on it. He was like two feet in the air, just jumping, just up and down at the three-point line, pointing at players, go here, go there, go. Like, Draymond, I get it. You're energetic. You're 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 very pugnacious, and you, you, you like to be loud and, and heard. Just take it down a notch, buddy. Just take it down one notch. You're playing, you're playing a basketball game, okay? You don't need to be jumping around. Like you can, you can dribble and, and directly offense. Like it, it's gonna be on Shaq and a fool for sure. It, it was just like you kind of look and you're like, what? Is, what is he? Why is he jumping? Like you know, take it easy, man. Like oh it, was, it was nuts. <laughs> no, the thing is with Draymond, I don't know what it is. Like I rate that he's ultra competitive. I'll give him that because I like to see that kind of aggressive level on the floor. Uh, but the thing is. It has to match with your skill set, in my opinion. And the fact that, like, he's barking and, you know, showing all kinds of, like, aggression and competitiveness, but yet doesn't really show much other than, you know, just having a defensive prowl and defensive IQ. To me, it's just funny to me sometimes. And, you know, like, just getting back to watching, you know, the Warriors and Raptors game, just kind of seeing how he's, like, barking around. And, you know, as soon as he gets the ball at the three-point line, chucks it up, it's an air ball. So, you know. <laughs> Me being a defender, if, if I was a defender, I'd be like, hey, man, just <laughs> if you're talking shit, just look at the tape, man. Yeah, like, I, I get it. He's a champion. I get, I get it. He's a champion or whatever. But I feel like with guys like him, I feel like he's a product of the system. But that's probably a debate for another day. Ooh, uh, yeah. Well, no, you know what? I take it back. He's actually trash. Damn! But. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. yes. I'm tired of being politically correct, man. Let's go. T- listen, hey, let it loose, man. Let it loose. This is your podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just let's just put the past behind us and let's get to the next segment here. Blog boy talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's gonna use everything I say and create an article. Yeah. Watch a basketball game. How about you write that? Our first question comes in. Where do we think Ben Simmons will peak? So it's a two-part question, actually. Where will Ben Simmons peak? And which player would you draft if you're GM with the young players that are in this league today? I'll start off with where he would peak. So Ben Simmons is an elite talent. This, to me, seems to be non-negotiable. Obviously, everybody would know that. He can defend multiple positions, rebound, and playmake at an elite level. All that at 6'10", right? Being a 6'10 point guard in this league is obviously a unicorn effect, and we're starting to see more of that coming, right? When you see LeBron James now leading point, now you got Ben Simmons, and then now we're going to start to see a plethora of point forwards coming in. With that being said, though, the only knack on him is his ability to shoot the basketball. This is something is obviously that I've been stressing for quite a while now with regards to the NBA being a shooter's league. We've been teased with those endless summer workout scrimmages displaying a three-point shot. And I mean, I'm so sick of it. Like every year I would see Ben Simmons, you know, put a snippet on Instagram of him hitting two threes in a little scrimmage between him and a couple NBA players. And I'm like, you know what? This is the year he's going to start chucking up some threes, you know, being a three-point savant like myself. But it doesn't seem to translate in the NBA landscape. and I'm not sure why. And... Uh, lastly, his inability to try to shoot is mind-boggling to me. You know, you'd be able to shoot all summer, but then when it comes to the game itself, you're not shooting, right? So that's, like, frankly, that's the only thing that's holding him back to being a top 10 player. If I had to rate him, I'd probably put him between top 15 and top 20 currently. How about you? Yeah, I mean, so, like, I, those, um, I have a gripe with, uh, you know, House of Highlights and all these Instagram pages uh, that as soon as Ben Simmons it's a three-pointer. The world comes crashing down uh, where 
all of a sudden it's red alert, red alert. Ben Simmons is hitting threes. Ben Simmons is hitting threes. You get the one three that he makes in a game, even the two threes that he makes in a game. And then you disregard his last five seasons in the NBA. He's not a good three-point shooter, okay? He's not. He might be improving. But listen, if he makes one or two, if he makes a couple in the league, that's not indicative of anything. He needs to do that on a consistent basis. If we still have these IG and Twitter pages going nuts over him making a three, you know what that means? He's not making enough threes. That's that's exactly it. So 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 Ben Simmons loved him out of, out of uh, you know when he was in high school, uh, he was a top prospect. I think he, this is yeah, 2016. He went to LSU for a little bit. Uh, didn't have you know the greatest season at, uh, at LSU, uh, but clearly didn't really care because uh, he knew he was going to go number one overall. His floor, I mean his ceiling rather, uh, is LeBron James. You have to think he has a very similar skill set to LeBron James. He he can he's a point forward. He's six nine. He's versatile. He moves very well. Uh, he sees the floor very well. He's physical. But right now he doesn't have that three point shot. LeBron James. For you know all the uh, the knacks on him, he developed his three point shot as his career went on. In the beginning of his career, he was not hitting uh, you know at a good clip. But now you've seen him; he, he's pulling up from half court sometimes. He's he's a bigger guy. His arms are a lot stronger. He's able to you know to really work on the fine tuned mechanics of his shot. Uh, so Ben Simmons needs to do that first. So his floor to me, if his ceiling is LeBron James, his floor is probably Lamar Odom. Pre-crack Lamar Odom. Let, let's just make that <laughs> distinction right here. Pre-Chloe okay. pre Kardashian. <laughs> Pre-Chloe Kardashian, pre-crack Lamar Odom. You know, Stephen A. Smith's clip on him is probably the funniest thing ever. If you don't know what it is, Google it. His very first move as the executive was to sign Lamar Odom. Who was on crack? Um, but, yeah, Lamar Odom has, you know, lefty, 6'9", uh, you know, ran the floor, didn't shoot really great and that could be Ben Simmons if he doesn't really work on that shot you've said it before you know and and I've agreed that in this NBA the three-point shot is becoming so much more important you live and buy that by the you live and die by the three Giannis needs to unlock that in his game too to become just a, a you know unbelievable player an all-time player and Simmons needs to do that too um so where do I have him in my sort of top you know NBA players uh, I have him probably outside my top 20. I could probably think of 19 better players than him. Uh, so he's, he's probably, you know, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, especially right now. Mind you, he's playing really well right now. Philadelphia is off to a great start. I really think they might be the ones to come out of the East. Uh, you know, I said that in our predictions, uh, you know, on, all the way back in our first episode, you know, considering all that they have. But he, he, they will only go as far as his three-point shot uh, and his confidence in his three-point shot. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be his three-point shot, to be honest. It's just like his mid-range game, being able to, you know, let the defender give you that honor you when you're trying to shoot, whether it's a mid-range, elbow, corner, three-point shot. It's just that the fact that these defenders know that this guy's not very well not going to be shooting the ball. He's going to be passing the ball. So they give him all this ample room. And it's just like being a fan, just watching that, it's just ultimate disrespectful, right? So with that being said, if he's able to, you know, perfect this craft and not only like just get to an average shooter, even slightly below average, to be able to have the defender respect you on the offensive end goes a long way in Philadelphia's offense. So I can see why people will say he's outside of the top 20. But again, as soon as he's able to develop an average jump shot, it's going to be a, a whirlwind of change. So uh, we'll see where things go with that. The second part of the question, uh, as I mentioned, is which players, which young players that you probably have in your top 20 that you would draft over Ben Simmons if you're a GM? Yeah, so I'm assuming it's players drafted after 2016. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if that's the case, then uh, a few come to mind. Um, Jason Tatum is one of them. Uh, he's he's really developing and coming into his own. Uh, he's He's really fitting in on that, like, Carmelo Anthony mold where he's a bigger body guy. He came into the league probably as a small forward, um, but he's, he's grown a lot and he's gotten a lot bigger. Uh, so now he's kind of filling in at that four spot, but he's a, he's a scoring four. Uh, he can dribble the basketball. He can, uh, he has a three point shot. His mid range shot is great. He can post up. 
Uh, so, you know, Jason Tatum's definitely one of them. Obviously, I have my fascination with Luka Doncic. Uh, you know, he's he's really like he's not he's just scratching the surface on how good he can be. Um, so, you know, he has it all. He he sees the floor. His assist game now, his his floor vision this season uh, specifically so far has been incredible. He, he sees the floor so well. Obviously his shooting is amazing. His, his dribble penetration, his pump fakes, everything he's fine tuning his mechanics at such a fast rate uh, that I would definitely pick him as well. Uh, and probably the last guy I would say, maybe not as um, popular would be Nikola Jokic. Uh, Jokic, I watched him play against the Knicks when they just got just annihilated. And Jokic is is so good. He's so big that you get him in the paint and he's going to back you down. He's going to hook shot over you. He's going to play. Him and, and Don just kind of have like a very similar pump fake game where they'll get you jumping out the gym over a shot and then they'll come and lay it up or they'll dunk it. He has a three-point shot. He's leading the league in assists. I'm going to repeat. Nikola Jokic, a center, over seven foot tall, 11 assists per game, leading the league right now. And I really think he might win it. Put him in the skills challenge. You know, give him give him the trophy right now. He's he's so versatile. He's and like he's he's not I wouldn't even consider him to be in that great a shape. I think he can get better. If he gets more slim, if he puts on just more bulk. Gosh, this guy might be unstoppable. So those are the three guys that I would put over, and I would start a franchise over Ben Simmons. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I, I took it to a different uh, perspective. I was looking at, for example, if I was a GM and just looking at the current 76ers roster, I feel like the need really is someone who can create their own shot as well as distribute to Joel Embiid down low and make him as effective as possible. So with that being said, the two players that I have in mind that might work best with the 76ers roster um actually three uh the first one obviously Luka Dantage as as you mentioned I feel like uh he would fit the script in terms of Ben Simmons ability to play make as a point forward as well as being able to I, I guess to shoot and score the ball that's the difference between him and Simmons the only downfall rather is the fact that Luka Doncic is somewhat of a defensive liability but again his greatness hides that right being able to play make being able to get a bucket when needed and you know be that one two punch with Joel Embiid so um that's one that's one player that I would look to draft if I was a GM the other two point guards who are able to create their own shot and distribute for me would be Trey Young another defensive liability point guard but again he is able to not only create his own shot, but I feel like he would unlock a, a lot of Joel Embiid's game. Obviously, Joel Embiid can go down low, and then you know they can play the the high-low passing game and making sure that Joel Embiid is in a perfect position to score down low, as well as kicking out and having Trey Young be able to hit the three ball. So that's that's one. And then lastly, Jamal Murray. Obviously, uh, we're able to see what he's able to do uh, in the bubble. He's off to a slow start this season, but. Uh, I have high hopes for this Canadian superstar and being able to being able to play make with another elite big like how he was able to do currently with Nikola Jokic. So having a guy like Joel Embiid will pick up where he left off. Obviously, Joel Embiid does not have that playmaking prowl that Jokic has, but I mean those two combined, you know, Jamal Murray being able to create his own shot and having Joel Embiid dominate down low as he should. Those are the three options I'll probably go with in terms of drafting a player in instead of Ben Simmons to start a franchise with Joel Embiid. No doubt. Agreed. Yeah. 100% on, on Jamal Murray. So with that being said, uh, we'll go ahead with our second question. Do the Raptors trade Lowry with this season starting off not as expected? I think they're at 2-7 and seven now. And if if you think that Lowry should be traded, what teams do you think would be best suited for his services? I have a couple options that I want to start off with. The first, I think... It might be a little bit of a left field option, but I think the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, obviously having a point forward, as we mentioned, in Nikola Jokic, having another guy that can also spread the floor and also play make and be an added floor general and have that defensive prowl would definitely be something that Denver would need to push themselves over the hump. And obviously with that championship experience, being able to lead a team, I feel like that's the rich get richer, right? They already have that experience, but they haven't been able to get over the hump in the Western Conference. And I feel like with a guy like Lowry being put at the point guard position, that will allow Jamal Murray to be able to play 
uh, at the shooting guard position, unlock a lot of the game and offload some of the pressure that he has as as a point guard in the Western Conference. So, and then you know I can already imagine the untouchable pick and roll that. Lowry and Jokic would have in the offense, right? Being two smart, offensive-minded players uh, with that elite, elite playmaking ability. So with that being said, obviously, if Lowry does go to the Denver Nuggets, I expect that the Raptors would be looking at a guy like Gary Harris, you know, who has that potential to be a an important player in this league uh, or at least on a team. Uh, but I think, you know, he doesn't really have that player development aspect yet. I felt like, you know, starting from, I think he played at Michigan State. As soon as he came into the mm-hmm. league, he kind of gotten the keys to share the franchise with with Murray, right? And the fact that he didn't have a chance to truly develop and work on this craft, especially in a very tough Western Conference. I feel like the Raptors are well known to be able to develop their players to the best of their abilities, and maybe he'll find some success playing with the Raptors. If I'm looking at the grand scheme of things, it would probably be Lowry to Denver for Gary Harris, potentially a second player, maybe a Will Barton. I was looking to see if they would do Michael Porter Jr., but I highly doubt that because that's no going to be their future. So probably Gary Harris, Will Barton, and a first-round pick. How about you? Uh, yeah, so it's 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 important to uh, to remember that Kyle Lowry is a uh, free agent this year, unrestricted. Um, you know, he's, he's being owed $33 million this year. So uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, teams are going to be hesitant to try and trade for someone that might just be a rental, you know, when you're uh, a free agent. Denver was one of the teams I thought should should be in the running for him. Uh, you know, to make the, the um, salaries match up, you definitely got to throw in Gary Harris there. Uh, you know, you could throw in a couple pieces, you know, PJ Dozier. Uh, maybe they can pull RJ Hampton out of there. But I think Denver does make a lot of sense to them. Jamal Murray should be playing off the ball. He should be playing at the two. That is his real position. Um, and, you know, you bring a guy like Lowry who's going to bring – who's going to replace that sort of defensive efficiency that uh, Jeremy Grant left uh, when he uh, headed off to Detroit. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. My other kind of ideas – so let me let me just preface by saying – the Raptors shouldn't rush to anything yet. Uh, it's a new season. It's a COVID season. You should probably wait until the trade deadline to sort of gauge what the good teams are and who the bad teams are. Um, do I think that they should trade him? Uh, I think if if they're really bad and you know you have teams that are contenders that need a point guard that need that like last piece. Then absolutely, you're you're an aging uh, point guard. You're in your 30s. You're on a you're on the last year of your deal. Absolutely. Besides Denver, other teams that I think could make sense: uh, the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz could look to upgrade from Mike Conley. They both have expiring contracts, roughly in the same uh, salary range. So it would be of no harm to the Raptors. They could probably try and get a couple of pieces uh, out of there as well. If Kyle Lowry commits to resigning, and then you always have the the sort of ominous Laker Clipper lure that that they can try and pull a guy like Kyle Lowry. Both of those teams probably need starting point guards. Uh, the, the point guards that they're starting right now, I mean, LeBron is technically the point guard there, but you if you could bring in a guy uh, over Schroeder who can start there. Uh, who can continue to just keep that defensive efficiency going? Same thing in and with the the Clippers uh, over Patrick Beverly. Lowry's just a better Patrick Beverly. He's a Patrick Beverly with a three point shot. That is blasphemous. That is blasphemous. They're both dogs. You know, they're just straight bulldogs on the floor. <laughs> what? To who? Patrick Beverly is trash. Utter trash. That's I'm what I said. He's better. No, 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 no. Lowry, he's in the league of his own. He's one for one, bro. The <laughs> closest comparison I would say is a Chauncey Billups type player. Mm-hmm. Not a Patrick That's a good Bell. one. That is a good one. But I'm talking modern NBA when it comes to defense, when it comes to intensity. It, he's he's Patrick Beverly with a better offense. He's he's much better offensively than Patrick Beverly. But that <laughs> but that remains like that's that's just to say that. Kyle Lowry does still have value, uh, you know, as an expiring contract, he's going to be uh, looked at to be the finishing piece. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see come February, early March to see where, what the Raptors do with him. I do see also Miami Heat being another option. Obviously, Lowry and Jimmy Butler have been very known that these two guys have that camaraderie. 
on and off the court. So with the point guard position uh, in Miami, I can see potentially Lowry, you know, partnering up with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And then maybe seeing some young assets going back towards the Raptors or even a couple of draft uh, compensation. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, as you mentioned, I don't think that the Raptors should rush right now. They got to see how things develop. The Raptors are starting to get a little bit of their mojo back, although they did have a couple tough losses. The encouraging part is that you're able to see the competitiveness and you know that dog coming out of them again. So it'll, it, it will take some time. Obviously, you're playing in the Eastern Conference, so when you're looking at it, they're only about three, three to three and a half games behind. It's so the early. Tournament. So, it's so early. yeah. Anything could happen at any given time. One of those teams can get in, uh, have an injury bug and, or even, God forbid, a COVID bug, so to speak. And, you know, it, it seems over, basically. The Raptors, obviously, they do have the pieces to make something happen. It's just a matter of making sure that they stay on course and see what happens. When we get to the trade deadline, things might change. Masai might have to make decisions. And that's okay because the Raptors had a long era, about seven years now, of playoff glory and you know being able to at least achieve the championship in 2019 so it's just a matter of understanding that this franchise most likely will need to start to rebuild and move on it's been a while so all those decisions will come towards the end of the season if not the trade deadline so we'll see where things go also uh larry to philly that's another one that i missed larry's a philly guy uh you, we were just talking about how ben simmons is the point forward there i'd like to see kyle Lowry go to philadelphia that would, I think that's his probably his best case scenario. Who would the Raptors get back, though? I'm not really interested in any of the assets that Philly has. Uh, it'd, be, it'd probably be just fillers, uh, you know, contract fillers and some first-round picks. I don't think the Raptors, if they're really going to rebuild, they don't care about current players. I mean, try and get Furkan Korkmaz, maybe. But, like, besides then, they don't really have a lot of good young talent. Tyrese Maxey, 39 points. Okay, I'll be down for that. I'll be down for Tyrese Maxey for yeah. sure. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that would definitely be a good option. But at the end of the day, I don't see Philly acquiring Lowry, especially his, his $30 million contract, alongside those two Supermax deals with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And I don't think they would have the salary to max. Oh, yeah, also on top of that, too, you got Tobias Harris' $180 million. So I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, but when you're looking at, you know, Lowry being a Philly guy, I can see why off-court-wise, it would make sense. On the court, having a leader, a floor general, a guy that is proven to win could be ideal for such a young team like the 76ers. So time will definitely tell with that. The next topic that I wanted to discuss was whether the Suns are pretenders or contenders. So I'll start off with you. What do you think? I mean, they're they're definitely off to a great start. Uh, you know, 7-3 and three right now. Um, you know, they're playing really well uh, at home and, and on the road, really. They're really a good uh, defensive team. They're among their second in points allowed at 104 points a game. Uh, you know, their point differential is at, you know, plus 6.2. So they're, they're scoring and they're playing. They're playing really good defense. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Chris Paul effect. Uh, contenders are pretenders. I think it's too early for them to be contenders it's no you know they didn't have really much of an offseason they didn't have training camp they didn't have a lot of preseason games the chris paul effect is always going to be positive it's going to be always going to be a net benefit to have chris paul there and and doing chris paul things will they get to the playoffs of course i think we've discussed that ad nauseum that they we do think that they will get to the playoffs do they can they have a championship potential i don't think so i don't think it's it's there yet you know i, I think if you give them at least a year to play with the, with one another. I know that that's another extra year on Chris Paul and he's getting older, but it's clear to me that Chris Paul doesn't age like normal human beings does. He's just getting, he's still playing at an elite level. Um, so, you know, I, I think they can go into the playoffs. I think they could probably win a series. Can they win two? Uh, maybe, but championship, probably not. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. You, you nailed that one. Um, Essentially, it's again, it's too early, right? When you're looking at them in, in the Western Conference, I think they're like tied first in the West. I mean, it's really early in the season. But uh, obviously, Chris Paul, he has a resume of resurrecting franchises who haven't really tasted playoff success, let alone a playoff berth. So with, you know, the Phoenix Suns, they're, they're obviously showing a lot of promise right now. Um, 
as you mentioned, I can see them winning a playoff series. I cannot see them winning semifinals or even having a trip to the Western Conference Finals without, you know, beating one of those teams and like the Lakers, the Clippers, and other uh, top Western Conference teams. So with that being said, they're looking good, but anything could happen in the West. So uh, I'll, I guess I'll just leave it at that. We're just going to have to wait and see. As I was going to say, give it, give it a couple of weeks. We're, we're, we're still very early. Yeah, and I still think they need a little bit more star power. I think they, I think they might need one more star piece, maybe a star wing player uh, to hop on that roster and have that three-headed monster. DeAndre Ayton, so far, he's doing okay, but he's not providing the monster numbers that I would expect from him playing with Chris Paul. But again, it's still, still a little early, so maybe it's just a matter of just having a bit more time to gel from a team chemistry standpoint, and we'll see where things go. All right, so the last question that we have is, <laughs> is I think is a topic that you might like, actually, with regards to the Knicks and the Nets having the same record, or at least close to the same record early in the season. Are the Knicks onto something? <laughs> Why you got to do me like this, man? Um, are the Knicks onto something? As I've seen the last two games getting blown out at home by the Thunder and the Nuggets, uh, probably not. Uh, just cause pain is pain. They got whooped by probably was arguably might be the worst team in the league in the Thunder, or everyone is at least predicting them to be the le- the worst. They're actually playing pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, can they make it to the playoffs? Yes, I I do think they can make it to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I'm, tra- I'm trying. I'm trying to be logical with you. I'm trying to be a nice guy, but then you just have to make me laugh, man. Listen. Playoffs? Are you talking about playoffs? I'm talking about playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. I'm not kidding you. I'm talking about playoffs. All right? The Knicks can make the playoffs. With Tom Thibodeau, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. And defense wins championships. Now, I'm not going as far to say that the Knicks are going to win the championship. But can they sneak in as, as a bottom seed? Can they sneak into that playoff tournament? play in tournament rather absolutely you know when you play good defense they need to get that offense going they they're just a mess on offense they have no point guard still it's kind of like a rolling revolving door of guys uh you know their spacing is 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 very bad so can they make the playoffs yes uh as for the nets i mean i it just brings me so much joy to see them struggling so early on in the season um you know they also lost the thunder so i don't feel as bad now uh that the knicks lost uh, the Nets will get it together at some point. Kyrie's missed a couple games here for personal reasons. Also, Katie was in isolation for like the last week or so, and he finally, I think, came back to play against the uh, OKC Thunder. So with that being said, I mean, like like the Nets do have th- those two-headed monsters, and I feel like they haven't had enough time on the floor with both of them playing that I could have some kind of doubt, so to speak. But let's keep it real. Does the NBA really want to see a seven-game series with Julius Randle in it? Like, I mean, it, it's it's going to get ugly, right? You, I'm not trying to... You, you bite your tongue. Julius Randle is playing at an all-star level right now. This man is in the MVP conversation. Man, I would be putting up those numbers of a playing for the Knicks. What are you talking about? This guy, are, he has sir? Tunnel, tunnel vision mentality. The only one guy I will give his flowers to is Austin Rivers. That guy is hooping, hooping. I don't know if you saw that Instagram story of him where he he came back from a road trip and he immediately wanted to drop off his luggage at home and go back to the gym and work out. And his his girl was like really freaking out. I was like, hey, you can't give me one day to kind of chill. And he's like, hey, man, I'm trying to get back to the, gym, get back to the lab. Then the next day, I think he was playing against Utah and this guy was going crazy. I think he scored like 14 points in the fourth quarter. And I'm like... That's my dog. Winter Park's finest, man. I'm telling you. Winter Park's finest. Yeah, but Austin Rivers is having an amazing season so far. He's starting today in his first game, which is great. Julius Randle, he's putting up numbers, man. Give him his respect. Put some respect on his name. Stop playing with my name. I ain't going to say it no more. Nah, man. I'm not trying to do that, bro. Stop this. He's better than Pascal Siakam right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a right now that's up for debate like no it's not up for debate he's better than pascal siakam 100 percent. okay i don't know i don't know what's worse pascal siakam's spin move or julius randall's narrow vision i I don't know which one's worse they're both terrible but i would take julius randall right now no i'm down for a one-on-one and put that on like 
as part of the list of the NBA All Star activities. <laughs> and just see, and I just, just want to see the spin contest. How many times you can spin on your way to the hoop? Hey, man, I'm pretty sure he probably could compete with a Beyblade, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, the Knicks are the Knicks at the end of the day. It, I could see them potentially getting into the playing tournament if things go well, but I don't know. It really depends on some of the bottom teams in the East that are going off to slow starts, such as the Raptors and a couple other teams that I expected to be in the playoffs that are hovering around the 12 to 13 spot in the Eastern Conference. Again, it's really too early right now, but I'm I'm gonna hold off on the on the Knicks being compared to the Nets until later in the season. So we'll see what happens. Also, to to whoever messaged us and asked why the Knicks are bona fide scrubs, you know who you are and you know why we're not answering your stupid question. Okay. The disrespect on this podcast will stop. All right. They are not bona fide scrubs. That is the Knicks of the past, okay? You know who you are, and I'm calling you out. I think we're well over our time right now, but <laughs> but anyway, thanks again for tuning into our episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Gamepoint Pod on IG, as you know. We're also on both Spotify and Apple platforms, as you're definitely aware at this point. Add reviews if you can. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, Yasin? Man, let's, let's go Knicks. Let's go Julius Randle for MVP. Hashtag it. Okay, I think I might have to edit this propaganda. But anywho, with that being said, we'll end it off. That's game.